Hi, this is Zoe Routh, and welcome to the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast. I work with CEOs and their teams on the people stuff in leadership. And today we're taking a little bit of a different tack. We're interviewing somebody with expertise in a very different field to mine, and that's in financial technology, otherwise known as fintech. What we're talking about are industries that are coming through the COVID-19 experience stronger and with more opportunities what opportunities there are in the marketplace that you may want to look out for if you're in business, and the future of live events. It's a pretty interesting, wide-ranging conversation, different to what we usually do when it comes to the people stuff. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Now, a couple of things around acronyms and jargon. I just wanted to define these up front for you because they they were inserted by uh, my guest, who I'll introduce in just a second. And I thought it might be useful ahead of time for you to know what they were. So we had API, which is an application programming interface. It basically helps apps talk to each other. SMEs, small to medium enterprises, a black swan event. And that is an event that comes as a surprise that no one expected, just like no one expected that there would ever be black swans until they came to Australia and discovered that swans could be black. There is cost of carry, which is cost of doing business. M&As, mergers and acquisitions, APAC, Asia Pacific, and FX, foreign exchange. <laughs> so there you go. I hope you caught all of the definitions ahead of the interview. Now, about my guest. Ian Park is his name. He is a young gun entrepreneur in the technology space. And he didn't start there. He started in mining, which is quite interesting. But eventually, he wandered through mining and his different experiences and came to see a gap in the market when it came to making payments overseas. Fast forward, and he is an innovator and a fintech, financial technology specialist. And in fact, at the FinPay at the Global 2020 Startup Grind in San Francisco, oh my God, so hipster, he attracted interest from a number of venture capital investors. So his philosophy is disrupt the disruptors. So this is a young gun with an eye to the future. Let's do this. Fantastic to have you here, Ian. I'm so grateful that you've decided to come on the podcast and share your very different perspective and wealth of expertise in the fintech arena. Now, that sounds really savvy. What does fintech actually mean? Um, yeah, look, thanks, Zoe. I really appreciate the time. Um, so yeah, so fintech is abbreviation for financial technology, as you can uh, as you can surely understand now. You sit where we sit. Yeah, financial technology. And looking at your profile, you've you've been an entrepreneur since you looked like since you were a toddler. How did you get started in fintech? Yeah, so look, great question. Um, so I originally started off in uh, mining and resources, and then. You know, as you can appreciate, the mining sector in North Queensland took a massive hit and, you know, we decided to close up shop there. Um, I moved to Brisbane shortly after that. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward, fast forward. Um, I started a background screening and verification company. Um, so we worked with some of Australia's largest enterprises to, you know, effectively hedge and mitigate their risk against new and existing hires. So kind of like an, an add on to like a HR kind of uh, componency or vertical. And I landed the mother of all clients. Um, I landed Volkswagen Global as a client. As you can appreciate, they were based in Europe. We were based in Australia and they wanted to pay me in euros. So, you know, we, we struggled to comprehend, you know, and obviously with a little bit of insight, we did a lot, we did a lot of our own research around FX, you know, foreign exchange, 
how are payments made? What are the fees associated with it? What are the times? You know, whatever it may be. We came to one conclusion that it's clunky. People don't know how to use it effectively or they're not told how to use it effectively. So we, uh, yeah, that, that was essentially it. On the back of that, I went to spoke as, you know, I went and spoke with my various advisors at the time. And I kind of said, look, is this actually a thing or am I just being a bit crazy? Um, and they said, no, look, it is a thing. You know, obviously there are companies that shield you know, this stuff from people because that's, they're not interested in it. I took an interest in it. Um, so yeah, on the back of that, we founded FinPay and then obviously it's kind of sister company FinPay FX. And we built out, you know, a really unique kind of um, payment journey for both a transactional product as well as an FX product. So yeah, that's that's the long and the short of it. It's a bit of a long-winded answer, but yeah, that's that's it. So just to clarify, because I'm a numpty in this area. Um, <laughs> so are you kind of like PayPal, like you like a payment gateway? Is that one of the services you provide? Yeah, look, certainly uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, PayPal is one of our competitors, but, you know, when you come to a comparative analysis about what our business is compared to them, we have three, three kind of key takeaways. Um, we're a merchant acquirer, we're a payment gateway, and we have subscription-based tools. Before we came around, you know, you'd have to go to maybe two or three different providers to get that kind of multi-layer product journey. But with us, it's all a one-stop shop and a one-stop API. So you would never be able to get a merchant acquiring and a payment gateway together. You'd have to go to separate entities. To yeah. Get it. Yeah. You know, it's, it gets, and look, some of them might not work together. You know, they might not interact together on a technology level. You know, they might, it might be clunky or there might be an outdated piece of technology or a legacy piece of technology in there that just doesn't work. So we aim to strip that all away and really kind of make it simplistic for them to deploy within their own business, whether that's using our own platform or using an API. On the back of that, you have, you know, the FX side of things, which traditionally has been a very confusing market for a lot of companies and particularly SMEs. You know, I don't know if you know in Australia, you know, the ACCC released a report some time ago, or last, last year, middle of last year, saying that Australian SMEs are paying 11% more for their FX uh, or cross-border payments than they do anywhere else in the world. Oh, my God. You look at that, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, maybe that's a lack of education, which is, you know, what FinPayFX is built on. You know, uh, myself and my founders and my co-founders, sorry, we built it as an education piece. You know, it's more about competition in the space than us trying to win over a business wholeheartedly. We're not saying for you to leave your bank and lose that relationship. We're telling you to open up a competitive line that will show you what can be done in the market space and bring a deal to both and see who can do it on the day. So yeah, it, it, and, and you know, very similar to what TransferWise have done in the United Kingdom, FinPayFX is doing that for SMEs here in Australia and APAC particularly. Okay. It's a very complex world. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I suppose we aim to simplify it. That's, yeah. And that's our, that's our driver. You know, it's modern FX that every business should be able to, to have access to. So that brings us to today, like, and it's a pretty interesting financial landscape for many businesses. Hmm. What's happening in the business sector from your point of view? Yeah, look, um, I think, I think from COVID-19 side of things, you know, this is a black swan event. We are seeing markets move like we've never seen them move before. And not because of like, if, if you were looking at a GFC, you know, I think markets, weren't priced correctly then, um, you know, there was a lot of toxic debt out there. 
but now you're seeing it is it is just a pure shutdown of a, of a of a global economy and not shut down perhaps that's a bit of a, a, a harsh word but you know you're starting to see drastic moves in verticals that you've never seen moved like logistics and shipping during the gfc was still operational not operational now aviation and travel domestically yeah but even then you know you're seeing bailouts for for airlines potentially you know um i think from our standpoint as a business you know we we have a very little very low cost of carry um being a technology company and we we don't have massive offices or large scale infrastructure that we need to keep running we can uh, operate on this remote working type situation you know even to the fact that we have teams um in canada and teams in the philippines and you know teams in sydney australia you know so we've got teams all over the world um and we're still working remotely we're still driving the business we're still trading we just do it online from a standpoint of our customers and our clients uh yeah look there is certain fear around what's going to happen in the future but on the same side you know customer acquisition is steady and growing if anything you know you're starting to see a lot more businesses take interest in how their business is structured to protect that cash cushion that they're sitting on now how do they protect that and it's not so often sourcing a cheaper product but it may be how do we how do we pay what financial instrument do we use to pay for those products you know so is there a cheaper alternative out there yes there is and businesses should be in my opinion actively reviewing their corporate structure around what they're doing for certain things to move forward and protect that cash flow uh for the future so yeah uh that that's my kind of stand on it and look some people will disagree with me um but you know i think that's where where it stands um you know many many businesses are still trying to open or they're trying to streamline their inefficiencies so i i would actively advise or you know i would encourage businesses to to take a look internally around not only staff that's obviously something that is sad that people lose their jobs but you know there are other things within corporate structures and businesses that they can do to save themselves money or to or to streamline that that inefficiency i think I think that's a I think that's a really useful practical advice and I know that's something certainly we're doing in our business is that we're doing a bit of next week our theme is simplifying cleaning out and so it's going through all of our files for <laughs> anything from like yeah. e-dust um through to systems and processes and how can we streamline and simplify is going to be critical. Yeah, and I think you're going to see, you know, um we actively encourage businesses to talk to us whether whether they become a client or not. you know that that's irrelevant we're we're there to offer value in regards to advice around are they getting the best deal in the space you know what are they doing for you know whether they're a a financial planner who wants to put their still keep their their businesses still want to work with them or they're a, an advisor they still want to work with them but they can't do face to face meetings okay great zoom works so let's use that but then they need to set them up on a recurring payment so then our then our recurring payment gateway walks in and says look we can set you up you know and we're willing to we're willing to do deals on our fees to keep people's doors open you know it's not saying we're going to give you everything for free because that's that's not commercially viable for us either but what we can do is we can work with you during this difficult time to better understand your business to offer you offer you a product that would be assisting you through this difficult time so let's let's zoom out and take a leadership perspective now and well, The first question I have around that is how do you define leadership and when did you know you could do it? Look, definition of leadership is for me, you know, I think it's innovation. I think leaders have to be innovative. I certainly think 
that you're starting to see companies and look, I follow some of them actively on uh, various social channels. While some of them are getting a really a grilling, I think some of them are really forward thinking with this COVID-19 thing. I think a CEO or a, or a director or a leader's role is to not think in the here and now, it's to think in four quarters, you know, in a year's time, where will the business be? What are its goals? What are its targets? What are its KPIs? And they need to meet those. So I think long-term, that's where you need to be. You know, yes, this is a, yes, this is a black swan event, but you know, will you see the market correct itself pretty quickly? Yeah, you will. Once this is all, once, you know, everyone kind of knocks the restrictions off. So that's, that's that kind of journey for me. Like I'm thinking in a year's time, how will COVID-19 shape our KPIs in a year's time? That's where I'm looking. That's what I'm doing. From how did I know that I could do it? Great question. Um, yeah, look, I guess from my, my family, you know, they've, um, they're all people that have been inspired and encouraged me throughout my journey and they still inspire and encourage me to this day. My family and my immediate family have, have been a very great support um, and sounding board for a lot of things that I do and a lot of experience, you know, they've gone through various events, you know, like uh, recessions or downturns in their lives. And, you know, they look back and go, God, if we, if you guys had the technology that you've got now, when we went through this, you know, we would, it'd be a very different space now. But again, that's the whole, the whole idea of it. So yeah, I guess hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> it did. So I like that. So that, uh, you know, positive reinforcement and, ex- and the example from the people around you is always really useful. What opportunities are you seeing in this? Because I, just before we hit recording, we were talking about that. You know, there's a lot of people facing cataclysmic decisions in their business because they didn't have a cash cushion or even if they did, circumstances are meaning that it doesn't look good for the long term. There's also plenty of opportunities. So you as a what sounds like an optimist and a determined entrepreneur, where are you seeing opportunities for businesses more broadly? Yeah, look, certainly great question. So I would certainly look at, um, uh, and I'll speak about, you know, our experience directly, you know, Australia as, as, as a continent, it is difficult uh, for us as a payment gateway solution provider to, to be interacting with, with certain companies that we want to. So we looked abroad, Um, you know, we looked to uh, other economies like, you know, say Japan or South Korea or, you know, the Philippines to, to explore opportunity there with them around, what's happening in a payment space, you know, cash is becoming increasingly archaic <laughs> as you can appreciate with COVID-19 and the transfer, you know, I suppose physical transfer is where it's people are going, Oh, that's, that's not no longer acceptable. Okay. Let's look at a contactless payment opportunity. Um, you know, we've been working and we've been sitting on and, and negotiating a deal for the last 12 months around a QR code uh, payment terminal that would be la- able to be launched into a merchant uh, business. So, you know, while traditional coffee shops are still open, you know, cards touching terminals or pay pass, you know, or that type of thing is still, uh, you know, people still kind of go, oh, I'd rather not interact on that level. So we're, we're, we're currently, you know, force feeding and, and putting the pedal down on a QR code where you simply take a photo um, of a QR code displayed on a terminal and it pushes the payment through to that merchant. So we're actively pursuing kind of pivots like that in, in the payment space. I think there's opportunity out there for businesses to partner with businesses that may be in a similar vertical, but, you know, they may be lacking a certain piece of or product or, or anything like that. But what you will see, certainly, I, I think, 
is with any you know potential market downturn, you're going to see acquiring you know M and A really grow <laughs> um, or distressed assets um, become available. You know from businesses that do have a healthy cash cushion or they're willing to to absorb the debt of another company to to grow. So you'll end up with these kind of not super companies, but you'll end up with these these companies that have such a you know a toe in every pond because they're acquiring other businesses out there that may be in a different vertical but on the same product line or whatever it may be. So yeah, I think opportunity is out there. You just have to look. You know, whether that's, you know, you look at a lot of the alcohol companies that have pivoted and to their credit, they're making hand sanitizer. Brilliant. Fantastic pivot. That's you know, a that's a very quick turnaround. <laughs> isn't it what? Like, you know, they produce ethanol. Ethanol is, you know, the, the core product of the 70% hand sanitizer that that healthcare and, you know, all these, like I was down at my local coffee shop and they run a brewery on the side, uh, like a beer, for beer. And bang. <laughs> really? Yeah, they've got hand coffee, sanitizer. Coffee, beer or hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you look at like, um, you look at Airbnb, they started in a, re- a recession. Um, and not saying we're in a recession, but they started in a recession. They had this brilliant business model. Like it was phenomenal. But no one was renting other people's houses during a recession. Like it's just was crazy. Um, you know, and they pivoted to sell, you know, sell products online just to an online portal that got them through that kind of downturn part. And then they flourished. Do you know what they're doing now? Because people aren't hiring Airbnb right now. No, exactly. I would love to know. I would love. I, I think they'd. Prob- I don't know what they're doing in that space, but yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, it would be something like even Uber. Uber was founded during the GFC. Um, same thing. Their their businesses pivot. It's 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 smart for them to look for opportunity. I think it, it is out there. You just need to look for it. And I guess you know um, a lot of businesses are, are struggling. So I, I kind of certainly appreciate that they're trying to to look inward to keep themselves alive. Um, but, you know, certainly I think a little bit of outside perspective, you know, certainly brings a fresh face to, to something. And what businesses do you see are thriving through this situation? Um, look, great question. Oh, I guess, you know, corporate advisory is in that professional services vertical. You're certainly seeing um, businesses engage with them around that. And you're certainly seeing those advisory firms come to them and say, look, we're willing to waive our fees because, you know, we want to help, you know, you kind of get through this, this rough patch. Um, and then obviously on the proviso that they would stay on when they're back, uh, back on track. You know, certainly e-commerce businesses are flourishing. I know I think if, you know, we see a lot of companies that are now pivoting who've been a conventional shop front um, now start to, to really grow that e-commerce offering. Um, and they're actively interested in, you know, or they're an existing e-commerce business and they've never really cared about the fees that they're paying for transactional products or anything like that. And again, kind of saying that we're, you know, we're having a lot more conversations with companies now because they're interested around going, hey, I thought I was getting a good deal before. What is there anything else in the marketplace that I should be aware of? Okay, cool. Well, then we sit down and we have a conversation. So, yeah, I think technology, Zoom, you know, let's look at them for example. You know, we're on Zoom right now. You know, they had a surge up to 300 million users overnight when this all came about. You know, like that's great. Groups like Slack, you know, again, you're going to see um, Asana, Monday.com, you know, various. What's Monday.com? Monday.com is a project management um, tool. We use it in our business um, and it's phenomenal because it, it brings groups together across the globe to kind of set tasks, set meetings, calendars, you know, everything all looped into one. 
um, and it's integrated across Gmail, Outlook, you know, everything. It all feeds into it, which is great. Look, I think that would probably be what I would say. You know, I think I read something very interesting the other day and from someone I follow actively on LinkedIn who was saying that, the you know, technology companies have got those massive valuations and how are they going to become ever profitable? I think, unfortunately, this is how they're going to do it because they're going to see a mass market drive to them around remote working. And that's how you see that value really create and stay with them as businesses learn to do this remotely for the foreseeable future, I think. Mm. And I was speaking to many of my clients who are discovering the benefits of doing remote working and it may not when we get eventually released from our home environment, I don't think necessarily that businesses will go back to working all together in an office. I think there'll be some sort of hybrid blend and the advantages of working from home for decreased time in traffic and, and distraction for more productivity will be critical. Mm. Yeah. Um, So I think there's going to be some sort of hybrid moving forward. Yeah, 100%. And I think with the technology that's out there, you know, there's nothing to stop people stay in working in remote teams. Like, yeah, maybe a meeting once or twice a week in the boardroom, um, or you need to go into the office for a particular particular something, it's fine. But with this, uh, with the technological age that we're in now, you know, remote working is, look, me personally, my productivity goes up when I work from home. I, you know, I don't have people, not saying that I don't enjoy interacting with people, but if I'm in the office or in an office, People have a tendency to stop by and chat or, you know, so that doesn't really happen. All I have now is my French bulldog looking at me, which is going, wanting to go for a walk, which is fun. <laughs> I think, so thinking about that, like we were talking before about, um, before we hit record again, we had quite a robust conversation before we yeah, hit record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how the travel sector and the hotel sector and um, tourism industries will all be affected. And I'm thinking about office space. And if, as I foresee, that there's going to be a greater mix of work from home and work in the office, I think office spaces are going to have to change because the idea of going into work at a cubicle is way less attractive when you could be in the comfort of your own home. And the idea of going into the office, as you said, for a specific purpose, maybe it's for creative planning or maybe it's for team bonding or celebration or whatever, it means the, the actual office space is going to have to be transformed to facilitate that kind of celebration group orientation. And a lot of offices have been doing that in terms of their activity-based planning sections where they have quiet spaces and collaborative spaces. I think more collaborative spaces are going to be on the rise. What's your expectation? 100%. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, um, I think we work, you know, as much as they were dragged through the mud at the end of last year around that IPO, but, you know, I think they're really going to flourish in 2020 with businesses um, looking at actively co-working spaces. That's going to be the way, I think, for us, and certainly for us, you know, I, I like that idea of the co-working space, not only from a, from a cost perspective, but also a business interactions perspective. You know, I think the network that you create, not only for your own business, but in, in speaking with others in those co-working spaces is phenomenal. Like, you want to talk about a place about doing deals with people or having interest from other businesses in your own, you know, particularly in the technology sector, that is where it's done. Because, you know, you walk into the communal space, you get a cup of coffee and you see someone that you've never seen before you speak to them and say hello. Just through a few short questions, you might figure out that they require, they're looking for something that you might be able to offer them. That's a new client, you know, right then and there. And it's, and it would show value and, you know, it would potentially pay for the co-working space for the month, you know, 
so yeah, I think you're going to start to see that rise again. And, you know, that's what is actively touted. I think, um, I think, look, I think co-working space will be the next mover in the market. Um, I think not only from a businesses, you know, saving, saving money perspective, but from a networking perspective, you know, I think you'll see a lot of businesses create a lot of deal flow out of just their co-working space, which is great. It's going to be the way of the future. And a lot of big companies have actually were before we work went a little bit pear-shaped and before this whole COVID-19 thing happened, a lot of big companies were leasing office space in WeWork facilities for that reason, because it was less overhead for them and less management and less problems like that. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing. So what will big companies continue to invest in buying buildings, owning buildings and owning a whole floor, or will they disperse and put people into WeWork co- co-working facilities or maybe a, a blend of it? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. And I think you're, you're right. Also, like the whole trend of independent professionals and uh, freelancers, this gig economy will continue. I think as people are pushed out of regular jobs, they, some of them will turn entrepreneurial and set up shop and do their own nimble thing. Uh, and some of them will hang out to get a job again. Uh, so I think that that whole trend of the gig economy will continue. Mm. Um, yeah, you're mm. right. I, I agree with you. Like, I think, um, I think there's some very skilled people that, you know, um, have, you know, are in a corporate role because, you know, that's what they need to be in. But, you know, in the potential of them taking those, those amazing skills they've got and turning them into a, into an entrepreneurial business is, is brilliant. You know, and I, I, I think there's never been a time like the present to do that with, what's out there um, around incubators, accelerators, you know, startup groups, you know, I think the startup community that we have in Brisbane is pretty good. And, you know, even, you know, code, which was our big technology and innovation summit that went from being a face-to-face summit, you know, with 800 people in a room to becoming a digital summit with 5,000 people on their YouTube live viewing their stuff. So when did that happen? uh, It was on the 14th and 15th of last month, I believe. Was that a planned thing or is that a reactive thing because of the reactive? Yeah. So they pivoted that quickly to do it. And I think, you know, they even had a virtual hall where you could kind of walk around in an avatar and talk, talk to exhibitors like brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. You know, will they go back to the conventional kind of, you know, convention again? Probably not. And they made it free, you know, which was a big thing. So, you know, you've got people from all over the world who wouldn't normally be able to attend to attend and network and grow their business or grow their network. Um, I think it's amazing. And I, I kind of, my hat's off to Jackie Taranto and those guys like that's brilliant. And that was, that was called code. Was it? Yeah, Q O D E was the Q um, Q O D E. Okay. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can check it out. Cause I'm now extremely fascinated by that. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> just the, the advantage of having 5,000 people in a network community as opposed to 800 is pretty massive. If you're looking to grow exponentially. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think you're going to, um, I think you're going to start to see like, you know, we, uh, we interact with a number of accelerators around the world, you know, so we're, um, we're talking to a group, um, 500 startups, and then there's um, tech stars out of New York. And now it's all digital, like it's great, you know, um, so it's, it's really, really good. I think it opens up the avenues for APAC in Australia, particularly overseas, um, because you can Sorry, now, what's APAC? Like Asia Pacific. So Australia, New Zealand, most of the Asian, Asian countries, Asiatic countries. So yeah, I guess from that perspective, it opens up a lot of doors and look, as bad as COVID-19 has been, it's, you know, it's, it's opened up 
people's minds to how they should can now run their business digitally online remotely you know so on and so forth so yeah chaotic time but an interesting time and an opportune time i think if you're right in your thinking um, i think it's an opportune moment for for businesses to either collaborate partnership or acquire um, at any level I think that's a really important point that you make. If you're right in your thinking and it's about being proactive and having foresight and looking for the opportunities, how would you define your leadership philosophy? Look, that's a really good question. Um, how would I define it? Um, you know, again, like I, I go back to, to innovation, you know, um, I think mine is, is, is forward thinking. I can certainly kind of, you know, very, I'm very goal orientated, very KPI driven, but you know, I certainly think from a leadership perspective, you need to be on that forward thinking foot. Um, you can't sit there and cry, woe me, woe me, woe me. You know, you, you do have a business and, and things to look after. So you need to need to think two quarters ahead, always, always. So Ian, who is, who is your ideal client so they can identify as they're listening to us and where can they find you? Yeah, certainly. So um, by all means, LinkedIn is probably my best way of communicating with me. And I try to respond to every single request within 24 hours. That's my kind of thing, my mantra. I, my ideal client, look, great question. Um, we, we work with everyone. We offer guidance, you know, whether that's a startup company that may be looking to, to do payments and they're not really sure about how the market or where they go. My biggest piece of advice for them would be don't go to the biggest company first, you know, and I won't say who, but shop around because there is value that can be found out there from working with a smaller company because they'll want to work with you. They'll want to do the deal with you and they're willing to bend over backwards to get you on board with them. Shop around. From a client perspective for us, you know, we work with anyone, anyone in technology, web design, e-commerce. You know, we work with groups that are looking to get into that e-commerce space and don't really know what they're doing or where they're going um, or how they charge or their fees or their, or their offering. On the FX side of things, we aim to work with SMEs. So if you're a small to medium business, we think that you're getting a raw end of the stick <laughs> when it comes to your FX kind of offering. Um, you know, there is significant savings to be had. And I think if you're not taking advantage of it, um, I think you're really missing out and you're, and you're, not, you're not effective in what you're doing offshore or cross-border. Just clarifying, FX is financial transactions? Foreign exchange. Foreign exchange. So, Thank you. Yeah, foreign exchange. Yeah, no, that's fine. Sorry, I use a lot of jargon. It's comes with it comes with the territories, Zoe, unfortunately. So yeah, if you're a business and you're sending payments offshore, have a chat. That is all I'm saying. We're not going to hard sell you. Have a conversation, and we can do a bit of analysis for you, and you can have that free of charge. And that way, at least you can better understand what you're doing um, out there. And, and particularly in this time, I think it's quite prevalent for businesses to be doing it. Awesome. Well, that's some very practical advice and some good resources there. And I'll put a link to your LinkedIn uh, profile in the show notes, which will be right there on whatever apparatus to which you happen to be listening to this show. Ian, thank you so much. That was really insightful. And I enjoyed um, looking at the future with you. Yeah, Zoe, look, I really appreciate the time. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I certainly got some interesting insights in that conversation with Ian. One of the most exciting ones is I'm going to go and straight away look up Code, Q-O-D-E, this live event that they streamed that went from 800 in-person event to 5,000 with virtual reality avatars for virtual networking. I love it. I'm so excited by that. And I think this future of events is a creative space that I'm going to lean into strongly. 
I look forward to hearing what you got out of the event or out of the podcast. And uh, if you got value out of it, please share. It helps grow the audience of the podcast and keep us bringing every week new and interesting guests, new and interesting insights on the people stuff and leadership and leadership more broadly. So if you like it, please share. In the meantime, live well, lead well.